Well, tonight we continue our study in Matthew, and you have to appreciate that where we are in chapter 3 of Matthew, how significant it was, this silence between what we call testaments, the Old and the New Testaments, that there was no real prophetic voice for 400 years. That is really a remarkable thing to think about. No real powerful prophetic voice in that period of time where you had this kind of preaching. You know the last words of the Old Testament. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction or curse. That was um, last word. The other Gospels take that verse and they apply it to John as there was obviously a great anticipation of Elijah to come from that verse that they understood as Jesus spoke that if you will receive it, John is the Elijah figure to come. Why is John so significant? That's what I want to think about with you tonight. It's really the question I thought about. My title isn't real interesting, just fiery John the Baptist. But I wanted John the Baptist, and I should say, he's not a Baptist, he's a baptizer, okay? He's a baptizer. John the baptizer, that's what we should call him. Um, Why is John the baptizer so significant? Well, he's an interesting figure in the history um, of redemption. You hear Malachi said, He's going to turn the hearts of parents to their children and children to their parents, meaning that the families of God's people, the families of God's people will again turn to the Lord in repentance, lest he comes and strikes the earth with a curse. That's what you should expect to see. You should expect to see repentance and restoration in the ministry of this figure. And for those whom it doesn't happen, there will be curse. It's as if the Old Testament prophets being silent for 400 years, in John, this role is taken up again as final call, if you will. Final call. It's important for Israel. It's particularly, this figure, is important for Israel in the history of redemption. He's important for us too, but I want us to understand his place and his role in this as we see the greatest moment of fulfillment in history preparing the way for the Lord. The end of the old covenant and the bringing in of the new is upon us in this text. So as we uh, take up our study tonight in Matthew, what we see really in John is fulfilling two purposes in John In his work, he's the forerunner to the Messiah, announcing, as you'll see tonight, the kingdom has come. And he is a wilderness prophet, (laughs) bringing a message of repentance and judgment. This is two very important things that John is fulfilling here as the forerunner preparing the way and as a wilderness prophet. Announcing repentance and judgment. 
This has huge implications for us, of course, because it presses us. It presses us to ask and, and to have us think about where we sit in history and, and what this means for us in the whole picture. And have we believed today, it's a marvel we're here, have we believed that the kingdom of God has come and have we repented and believed the gospel? These are the very words that Jesus will use as he begins his ministry. Well, I want tonight to look at John's ministry with you and then his warning and his baptism briefly uh, to help us with these issues. It's as, it's as if when Matthew presents uh, John, John that he comes seemingly out of nowhere. <laughs> we don't have the background that the other Gospels give. He's just on the scene all of a sudden. This mysterious figure that comes on the scene, no background provided of him as Luke does, but Matthew introduces him in a fascinating way. And what do we see first is we have a great emphasis on his ministry and what the ministry was like and what he was saying. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John was a preacher. This is what we see. It's in the line with Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Everyone wanted him to be a healer, fix all these problems over here, and he always was correcting it. Mark 1, listen, the reason I came forth was to preach. (laughs) So John is a preacher. John is a preacher. This is a loaded statement right at the beginning that requires some real serious reflection. It's John's claim. Now, you you have to really put yourself... In sort of Jewish shoes here for a second. Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels. Matthew's aiming to show us the true king kingdom has arrived. It is a strong claim, a shocking claim for the masses to hear this statement. We just hear it and we let it go right over us. The kingdom of heaven has come. Do you understand the implication of that? It's not just near. John is out heralding. John is preaching. It's arrived. It's arrived. It's here. Now that has such a history. The other gospels use kingdom of God. Matthew chooses kingdom of heaven. Why? Well, you can read endless debates on it. Matthew is making the case that the true king from heaven has come. Why does he emphasize it that way? Why would he choose that phrase? And as I was working on this, it dawned on me. This is why it's nice to work through books in the Old Testament. (laughs) Remember what was promised to Daniel in the 70 weeks, you might say? After the fourth kingdom, there would be another kingdom that would break into history. This kingdom would be an eternal kingdom. It would be an everlasting kingdom when it comes. After all these successive kingdoms, after, after remember, Babylon, and after, after the Medes and Persians, and after Greece, and after Rome, this kingdom would break into history, and it would be an everlasting kingdom. But do you remember when God first announced this to Nebuchadnezzar? What he said? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You will become a wild beast until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. But then he said this, Your kingdom shall be confirmed until you know that heaven rules. 
that heaven rules. Well, Matthew, I believe, has that on his mind. He's announcing what was announced in Daniel. The kingdom of heaven's rule has come now. Think of all this history. Think of all we've been preaching. Think of all that we've been saying about kings and kingdoms. And now the, the, the claim of this, that the eternal kingdom has just begun. What Israel understood is that God's sovereign rule over the kings and kingdoms of the earth, that promise of Daniel is that this everlasting kingdom would break into history at some point, And that when it came, it would never be toppled. And it would never fall. And it would be an everlasting kingdom. Now, after all of this study in Daniel on kingdoms, we studied in chapter 9, the Messiah, the Prince, would come. Do you appreciate the moment here in Matthew's gospel? You have to hear it with all that history in mind. Here's the first thing John says. It's here. It's come. The glorious kingdom of heaven has arrived. I'm not just announcing, I'm proclaiming, I'm heralding it, says John. I'm the last of the old. I'm the last old covenant prophet, John would say. And to make a big moment of this, Matthew says, this was, is exactly what was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. That comes from Isaiah 40 verse 3. And if you look at that citation carefully, John is preparing the way of who? The Lord. In other words... This Jesus whom he's preaching is the Lord. He's the king. Here the divinity of the Messiah. You think about the Lord would come. They knew that. John is saying that time has come. The kingdom has come and I've prepared the way of the Lord himself. You see, so now what a proof of the divinity of the son of God. He's the Lord. So putting it together, the promised reign has just begun. <laughs> the promise, God has brought it into history right now. It has just broken. His heavenly rule has just been showcased. And he is now taking control of the nations. Everything we've been looking for has just started. It's just begun. That doesn't mean that God wasn't Lord and ruler over all before. It's that the kingdom now is broken into history with the coming of the Son of God. Now, the Jews, of course, wanted an immediate political solution to everything. They wanted political rule to be established. That, of course, will come in the final consummation of all things when every king and king is put under his feet on that coming day. But John is surprising here up front in his aim. What is he saying? What does this mean for us? What does this mean? If the Lord has come and his kingdom has arrived, the kingdom of heaven has broken into history this way, the implications of that are huge. It means one of two things for everyone right now. We're not talking about later. 
For John, this is right now. It means one of two things right now. That's why John is so urgent in the preaching. That's why John is so urgent in his preaching. It means one of two things. You are in the last moment of history. In bygone generations, God has suffered and allowed all the nations to walk any way they wanted to go. But what did Acts say? But now, in these last days, he has commanded men everywhere to do what? Repent. Because that means right now, you are either receiving judgment or salvation. Now, the arrival of the kingdom brings judgment or salvation. Um, When Jesus was preaching in John 3, the sticker verse we love, of course, is John 3.16. It's a wonderful verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What, what a verse. I mean, that verse should never get old to us. That is just beautiful. Well, that's often the only verse we're willing to hear in John 3 <laughs> and post up. You know what John said right after that? God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That has huge implications. See how that thread runs through the preaching. With the arrival of the kingdom This means you are either received into the favor of the king or you are put under his wrath. Right now. Right now. Condemned already. That's why John preaches with such urgency. Um, If the kingdom is broken into history, then there's no playing around with response. John is preparing the way for this. That's why the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Christ, he never let people play around. Did you ever notice that? He never let people play around with this. He never let people kind of sit back and say, "Ah, you know, I'll decide. That's never what Jesus did. Some said, well, I'll first go bury my, um, my father. Then I'll come follow. I'm first going to go do this. I'm first going to do this. Excuse after excuse after excuse. Jesus was really clear. You can't put your hand to the plow and look back. You're not fit for the kingdom. I think as we study John, we get a sense, and I think what bears down on us is the urgency of this, the urgency due to this truth. God has extended a time before the kingdom comes in full at his arrival again, his second coming. But at this point, you feel the concern because the kingdom has just broke in. We have all kinds of people who don't respond because they don't feel any urgency to this. And we say, well, we don't want to push people. We don't, we don't want to drive them away. 
where are they if they're not coming? You see, you see, you see this, this is not, it's not a middle sort of ground here. What if their souls required of them tonight? John, knowing that the kingdom rule of Christ has broken in the into the earth, the heavenly rule, means one of two things. It means salvation or it means judgment. So he's not soft in his preaching. He's not worried about offending as an old, last old covenant prophet. He's got a job to do as the last of the old to set the stage for the Messiah. And that's what it really comes down to. John says, notice how he says it, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Why do you lay an axe to the root of the tree? Well, because the whole tree's coming down. So what, are the, what is John's call here? Command. Repent. Repent. John came preaching repentance because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. What are we talking about here? What am I talking about? Well, John's the last of the Old Testament prophets, Old Covenant prophets. He's pre- preparatory for Christ. He's bringing the old to an end so that the new would break in. That has big implications. I want you to listen to Matthew, Malachi 3, right before um, you know, we get into that, that final section there. Um, and Malachi 3 has very important indications as it's anticipating the ministry of John the, John the Baptist. But li- listen to Malachi 3. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. What is Repentance. Repentance is the returning to the Lord with the whole heart. It's a mind, not just a mind change. It's, a, it's, it's this kind of sense in the old covenant field. You are in a bad predicament. You have, have a long history of hardening your heart to your God, O Israel. Your heart has rebelled against him. You have not loved him. You've only turned away from him. God sees all that you do, but... Last call, Israel, come, repent, believe the gospel. John's the fulfillment of all these calls in the Old Covenant, of one great theme when it came to repentance. I I went through six ingredients of true repentance this morning. Of one great theme in true repentance, do you you remember it throughout history? The Lord was always saying it. The Lord was always saying it over and over and over and over Return to me. Come back to me. Come back to the Lord your God. Grace means nothing if you don't understand the predicament you're in. And now that the kingdom of heaven has broken in, come now. See, that's, that's, that's the sense of this. It's totally useless to run around preaching grace to people who have no realization for the need of it. (laughs) Preaching the law was the way of calling people to repentance. It's preparatory itself. John represents the strength of the old covenant prophets in their call to say, return to the Lord. 
Now, this is what John's ministry is about. Notice he's in the wilderness. That's, that's not unimportant <laughs> that he's in the wilderness. Uh, it's, he's purposely clothed in camel's hair. He's very hairy, boys and girls. He has a leather belt on. He's eating locusts and wild honey. I don't know anyone who would sign up for that pastoral position. This would be like me putting on a 15th century Reformation suit and preaching today. You'd think I'm crazy if I started dressing like Luther or Calvin and preaching up here. Why would God do that? Why would God dress him that way? Why would God want him looking like that? Well, for a very important point, he's out in the wilderness. He's dressed like Elijah. He's dressed as a ninth century prophet. (laughs) And he is speaking to everyone's need throughout the history of their wilderness journeys of Israel. Saying in the wilderness is not insignificant. Um, What Matthew has done, and we didn't spend a lot of time on this in chapter 2, is that he's traced the whole history of Christ. Christ went out of Egypt, out of of Egypt I've called my son, and then Christ Christ in the next section is going in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Um, he 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 comes out. Matthew traces this whole theme of Israel coming out of the wilderness, and this signals a great moment. What did Israel do in the wilderness? Well, they failed. They didn't repent. <laughs> they didn't listen. They, they complained the whole way. And you see, John, dressed like this, is representing this great opportunity for them to come to their Lord. It's the new beginning that's happening with the ministry of Christ, the new exodus. Something great is happening. And here's the beauty of this tonight. There's massive response. This is the end of Malachi. Or listen, he's going to return families it happens. <laughs> it happens. I don't think we realize the significance. Josephus said all the rulers in all the region were absolutely terrified of John's ministry because the masses were going out confessing sins and repenting and turning to Christ. That's what said in verse 5, that Jerusalem and Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. This is great fulfillment. (laughs) This is a great moment. Jesus made a big deal of it. Everything John is doing is preparatory for what would become normal in the ministry of Christ. What we have here is the right response captured to the arrival of Christ in the kingdom. What is the right response? Confess your sins. Be baptized. Believe. Faith is the right response to John's preaching. Repentance. They heard his call to repent of their sin. They believed the one he preached, the Messiah. And they received the symbolic act with water of the new beginning. 
That's all preparatory of what would happen in the ministry. The point is they're repenting. They saw what their former life was. They saw how they were living and rebelling against God. This is a huge moment in history. In redemptive history, this is a huge moment. They came under conviction. And they believed. And they receive a sign that signified the returning to the Lord. Washing. Water baptism would soon be normalized. And I think we're meant to stop and ask at this point an important question. All the generations were meant to ask an important question at this point. Have I repented and believed the gospel? God has broken in his rule into history. And there are two places you can be right now. Into his favor or under his judgment. And you see, John where he's so hard here, is now dealing with those who won't believe. That's verse 7. Then he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the baptism. Stop, stop, stop. Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, they're not friends. They don't like each other. The Sanhedrin has obviously sent a delegation This is is preparatory for Jesus' ministry. The Sanhedrin has sent a delegation out to see what in the world is happening with this crazy man out here preaching that the masses are coming and being prepared for a man, he says, is the Messiah. What is this? John sees this. Here they come. What do you think they're wearing? They're not wearing 6th century clothes, 7th, 9th century. They're wearing phylacteries. They're wearing their robes. They're, they're wearing their academic garments. They're the scholars of the day. They're coming out to see this backwoods preacher who's not too interested in being smooth. <laughs> he's, he's rough. He's from Lemoore. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say something like that. How about Huron? Uh, how about Corcoran? John sees him. You brood of vipers. Oh, there's a warning. There's a welcome, by the way. You snakes. No diplomacy here. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That is as sarcastic as can be. I didn't. Who told you to come out here and flee from wrath? And don't go around saying, as I know you're going to say, we've got Abraham as dad. That is not going to get you anywhere. God can raise up stones for for Abraham as children. Who do you think you are? (laughs) And now we get to the heart of Matthew's concern in this gospel. It's the religion of the Pharisees. It was all external It was all for show. It was all for self-righteousness. There was nothing in the heart. There was nothing genuine. There was no true repentance. There was nothing real. It was all phony. 
They were simply carrying forward Israel's history of rebellion against God, now in a formalized way that the masses recognized. And you might ask the the question, well, why so strong, John? Why so strong? It's precisely because the kingdom has come. Jesus has arrived. The kingdom of heaven is broken into history. And here's the answer. God is done with the hypocritical game. God is wearied, Isaiah 1, of the outward sacrifice with no circumcised heart. He's done with that. He is done with that. He is done with playing the game of religion. That's what Israel did for years. The end of all things is at hand. Notice the calling is the same. Even to them, the calling is the same. Repent, you guys, and bear fruits worthy of repentance. They should have been on their knees trembling like this morning. And this is the other part of the message, you see. While John preached a a baptism of repentance, he is showcasing the Messiah. Remember what, when Jesus passed by, what would John preach? Behold the Lamb of God. Look at him. There's the one. He takes away the sin of the world. But this is the other side of it. The axe is laid to the root of the trees, you guys. When you clear a forest, you cut it all down. We're not leaving trees up. God's not leaving trees up. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor and gather his wheat in his barn and will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He is preaching eternal judgment. You know what they did when they separated the wheat and the chaff in the harvest. They would take the threshed grain and throw it up into the air and the winnowing fork so that the wind would blow away the chaff and the, the grain, heavier grain, would fall back down on the floor to distinguish what is true grain. They're metaphors for judgment. The chaff will be burned in unquenchable fire. This is no game. And John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But listen, it's all preparatory. He who comes after me is mightier than I. I've prepared his way. I'm not even worthy to loose the sandals straps on him. He's the king. He's the Lord. Heaven has come down. And guess what he's going to do? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Meaning, the promise of the old covenant that when the new would come, is that God would pour out His Spirit again on the peoples. John was saying, Christ isn't just around instituting outward actions, outward signs. He says His baptism is the actual baptism that results in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit into people's lives. That's a fire baptism. And that time has come. Have we repented and believed the gospel? Are there any here today delaying and coming? Professing. Our parents don't get us into the kingdom. 
the Escondido URC doesn't get us into the kingdom itself. Calvin Christian going there doesn't get you into the kingdom. Having all these godly influences in your lives doesn't get you into the kingdom. John would say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Come now. Believe now. Repent now of sin in your life. Turn from it. Turn to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Sure, that's all grace. That is exactly what the Lord is calling us to by His grace. He has the power, John is saying, to wash you. To truly wash you. I don't, says John. He does. I'm just giving what is the preparatory sign of the sign. And he will cleanse your hearts. That's what Sadducees, Pharisees, that's what you need, cleansed hearts. Then you will see how wonderful it is and what it means when Jesus says, when it was said of Jesus right at the beginning of his ministry to Joseph and to Mary, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What a wonderful God. And if you have believed that gospel, repented and believed that gospel by His grace, know this today. You've already entered. You're already in. You've already been brought graciously into His kingdom. And heaven rules your hearts. Praise the Lord for His sovereign grace in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the gospel and thank You for Your work. May we hear this great call, and we pray today that the masses would hear and understand that the kingdom of heaven has broke into history, and that there's an urgency to this message. We confess that all of us have played fast and loose with it. We're more afraid of offending people than the Lord. But let us hear, O Lord, the great warnings that come out of this, and then hear how gracious your gospel is Come to me, said Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your weary souls. Thank you for sending the man from heaven, your son, to deliver us and to baptize us with the Holy Spirit, pouring out life into our hearts so that we might repent and believe this good news of your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.